Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? <laughs> well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. <laughs> well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. And today we're going to talk about politics. We are. Politics, yeah. Yeah, so obviously again, um, one of those things that you didn't have to think about before you were... Um, part of this world um you know you didn't have to vote and therefore we didn't we didn't have you know. to we weren't allowed to vote true mm, yeah. so, um yeah. you you started voting i guess from 30 yeah do you know what i can't remember the first time i voted you, obviously it depends when the if you did it straight away yeah or not. it depends mm. when the um elections come round as well doesn't it but um yeah i do remember yeah, you didn't, it's not like you did christmas straight away is it so That's i imagine right. you might not have politics exactly. Straight exactly. Um, so I do remember uh, thinking about voting and yeah, being quite excited about the idea that we can mm. we can vote. Obviously, in the interview with Riley the other day, that was something that he was really keen mm. to to get involved in, and uh, I think that's it is such a, a wonderful um, kind of f- freedom feeling that you can start to be part. Yeah, indeed, part of the world. You know, which is something that you were told you were not allowed to be. Um, mm. There's a scripture in the Bible where Jesus says, "You will be no part of the world, just as I am no part of the world." And so they take that to mean that they, that Christians shouldn't get involved in any political opinions, no voting, certainly no running for office. So unlike uh, Mormons, for instance, where they get very involved in politics, um, and others, um, Jehovah's Witnesses are quite different in that they talk about christian neutrality which basically means having no opinion can you imagine that Mm. having no opinion about things that matter you know like how much you're going to get taxed or um whether we should go to war or you know what the laws are of the land you know we have nothing to do with any of that we are completely passive when it comes to uh, to politics I wonder what it was like at like Kingdom Halls when Brexit went through and things like that. They all just pretended they didn't care. Well, I think that's the good word, pretended, because I think in my experience when I was growing up, um, there was a lot of opinions about politics, but no one was ever allowed to say them. So mm-hmm. now and again, you see, you'd, you'd hear a bit of a um, an inkling that somebody had some opinion. And of course, some witnesses came in from the outside and you often got the odd... Um, union rep or something who would uh, would still have his opinions about you know the the, the politics of work and so on um, but you you were supposed to not voice any opinion even to the point of you know there used to be a saying that there's no really perfect um, political system but democracy is the least bad option and that was we were counselled not to say that sort of thing because that is um, getting involved in politics. So, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't even criticise fascism or communism. Really, um, you could you could say obviously if they were mistreating people or or the organisation that that was wrong. But in terms of the political system, the way that it worked, um, you were to have no opinion about that, and that is still the position. So they are completely neutral. Which I, I think is one of the, personally, I think it might be one of the downfalls of the organisation. In, in what way? Yeah, because I think um, if you look at other groups, um, I was listening to a podcast l- last night and they had on a guy from um, a, a, an ex-Mormon podcast. And, um, do you know, what? I'm really sorry, but I've forgotten his name, but I'll put it in the show notes because he's really worth a listen. He's a really interesting guy 
Um, but Mormonism has a certain amount of power because they, they're very rich, they're, they've got billions through investments, but they also have political power. Um, one of the candidates for the Republican Party is a Mormon, was a, um, one of the previous candidates for the Republican uh, presidency was a, uh, was a Mormon, is a Mormon. And, um, and so they, they have these power bases, you know. Uh, in Utah, it's all, you know, there's a lot of Mormon influence in terms of the, the, the ruling um, party and so on. So it's, um, and I think that's something that Jehovah's Witnesses in many respects uh, actually do a lot of things that are going to make it more difficult going forward to maintain mm. their their power base they have very few friends because they piss everybody off um well yeah they're constantly like we are the best they, they don't get involved in are. in multi uh, faith events because all the rest of the religions are part of babylon the great the world empire false religion they stay neutral mm. in pol politics which thinks that protects them but in the way it does but Clearly, it isn't protecting them in lots of countries because they still are under ban. And um, it means that they have no power base, really, uh, other than the goodwill of the host nation that has them. And yeah. in the West, they're, they're lucky in that we value freedom of religion and freedom of speech and so on. Um, but I, I think that that is, a, that is definitely a weakness. So in, in some respects, I think it might come back to haunt them, that decision. I mean, they may be doing it with the with the, the right, I suppose, genuine belief that it is the right thing to do. But in terms of a strategic uh, decision, I think it's not necessarily a good one for them. Um, from an individual's perspective, when you're in the organisation, it is quite smothering. And I've said this before, um, maybe Jehovah's Witnesses is the wrong name for it it's more like jehovah's observers so you're you're not really part of the culture or the community in which you live mm. of course it, well, what did you call it before jehovah's bystanders jehovah's bystanders yeah um mm. and that is really what what they do they don't get involved in in the issues that make a difference to the community now i know that politics is full of you know corruption and sleaze and all of that i understand all that but it's kind of the only way that humanity can organize itself and represent people and the community which it serves so whilst there's a lot wrong with it it's the only it's the only option other than theocracy which is what we were told we should be looking forward to so we don't believe in democracy or any other um, system it's theocracy and theocracy is rule of god so god Yay. rules directly from the heavens mm. i remember theocracy used to be quite useful in civilizations because they have to just do everything and they can't <laughs> overthrow you so easily yeah strangely Sid enough my civilization yeah this is the game the sid Meier, um computer game um, mm. Yeah, so you get to choose which system, don't you? That you're going to use. Mm -hmm. and theocracy allows you to have fanatics, doesn't it? Religious fanatics. Yeah, which is useful. <laughs> useful if you just want to tear up the. Uh... They really get stuff done, you know. <laughs> um, but it has its drawbacks, doesn't it? It does, but it was always really particularly useful. It was good for a short oh, period if you wanted to just get something done yes you're right well if you're going to war they were quite yeah. useful because they'd just Very go vicious. with it they wouldn't overthrow you as much they'd be like okay yeah. it's in the name of god who are we to argue <laughs> but you're um mm. you went hungry because the, there was no work being done on the land there was no trading so you you were you were poor so it didn't last long that that uh, that surge. You just flip back for a bit, get some money. Yeah, exactly. flip back when you want to be tyrannical again. <laughs> anyway, I don't know how we got onto that subject. So yeah, politics as mm. a um, as a member of a high control group and Jehovah's Witnesses um, fit that bill, but others do too. Um, often um, your views are controlled, and for Jehovah's Witnesses, I think this is a particular area of high control. So unlike other groups that get called that jehovah's witnesses take a very very radical stand 
on Christian neutrality, which means having nothing to do with it. Really not having an opinion, and if you do, keep it to yourself. Yeah, because it's interesting, because even things that obviously we disagree with, but like um, witnesses don't want, you know, pride, and they don't either, they don't, they, like gay pride, they don't want to take part in that, for instance, and they don't, re- they don't agree with, uh, you know, same-sex relationships, but they wouldn't, if there was a vote on it, they wouldn't go and vote on no. it either. So even though they disagree with something that we might be like, that's political, they would see that, I guess, as like way of life that they live, but they wouldn't vote on it. Yeah, they're, they're not, they just wouldn't be allowed to... I mean, theoretically, if you were... Um, this was my understanding when I was a member, and I'm pretty sure it's still the same, but if, uh, let's say, if you joined a political party then that would mm. be seen as essentially disassociating yourself. So it'd be like being disfellowshipped. So you'd mm. be subject to shunning just mm. for joining a political party. Like, you because you can be members there, of political well, parties, you, can't you? Not, not a member, but you, you might be um, able to... There was always a bit of a, a fuzzy grey area when it came to trade union membership, but that's different to a political party. Oh, no, yeah, no, sorry, I meant... Um, I just meant in England. I don't know if you can do that everywhere. We just become a member. You're not necessarily a politician, but you're like a member of yeah, a, absolutely, yeah, yeah, of, yeah. Of, a, of a political group. But yeah, you wouldn't do that if you're a no. witness. No, if you if you were a mm. member of the Labour Party or something, then then no, you, you've um, you've essentially disassociated yourself. So um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's um, that's yeah. the level of of uh, non-involvement really, um, and mm. yeah, as I say, not even an opinion. But when you leave, it's all up for grabs. You get to to decide what you think. And it doesn't mean you're always going to be right. Um, And it's one of those really juicy, difficult sets of questions that we specialise in. Yeah. The way we've done it is we've done the eight values Mm. quiz. So I'd never heard of this before, so you might need to explain it. No, so basically... I think I've talked about her many a time now. Lena Norms, um, the only person I pay on Patreon for. <laughs> She's that good. Um, you know, I, I'm i a lowly 20-something-year-old. I don't have much money, but I have some money for Lena. Um, and she did the eight values quiz um, just because it's meant to be a bit more um, nuanced. So she didn't typical... design the eight values quiz. She just had a go at it, yeah? Yeah, she took the quiz, yeah. Um, and she was the reason she was doing it is because it's meant to be more nuanced than the like pie chart mm. quiz that comes out every time we do a vote, which is meant to be every four to five years, but it's currently exponentially more. I feel like I've voted a lot hmm. more than someone in my age should have, technically, because there's been a lot of snap elections. But every time they come out with one of those quizzes that tells you who you align with most, and it's like a pie chart, um, but and it can be a little bit... Um, swing one way or the other quite extreme with the questions so this one was meant to be a bit more nuanced in helping you understand like your political affiliation separate to just parties and so on um so that's interesting because it's operates on axes like a four uh, uh how many four. Let's see. yeah it operates on four different categories of questions so you've got uh the economic axis um, you've got diplomatic axis, civil axis, and societal axis. So that's on swings from equality to markets, nation to world, liberty to authority, and tradition to progress. And uh, it gives you percentages based on that to tell you if you're more, you know, equality-minded versus markets-minded. Are you more nation-minded or more world-minded, and so on? Yeah. Yeah. So like a lot of these questionnaires, it, as you say, it's got four four dimensions on which you get a score and the 70 Mm -hmm. questions essentially um, grade you from one extreme to the other so it might be worth having a go at this quiz um, or at least having a look at it before you carry on so if you if you wanted to do that now then we've put a link in the description so you could have Mm -hmm. a go at that and then you know what we're talking about because some of the questions we're going to go through some of those questions aren't we just sort of discuss some of them and uh, sort of pick them apart a bit um mm. yeah 
yeah this is um the it does say test edition number one so i think it is still like a newer yeah. test but um it see it was really interesting it got some good questions Ooh. going um so the other thing i just want to say before we start is that uh, one of the things that i pride uh, myself about this podcast i think you agree is that that we're not here to tell other people what to think so mm-hmm. we're going to talk about politics and clearly some of our opinions are going to come out here but that they're just our opinions and, and that's the beauty the brilliance of being able to have them <laughs> um, you may yeah, indeed disagree been... um, as a listener um, and that's absolutely fine yeah and like i said the point of this is not necessarily to be like you're a leftist or you're a righty or whatever it's just to be like this is where you fall mm. on these particular four values yeah. um it's just interesting mm. makes you consider things so we're going to talk through some of the questions um so Let's go. first one is oppression by corporations is more of a concern than oppression by governments and i think it's interesting because you don't often sort of pit them against mm. each other um or people don't necessarily think of corporations as being oppressive sometimes? Well, I think this is absolutely a question of this age. I don't think 20 years ago that would have made any sense. But now you've got corporations no. like Google and Facebook and so on who are so powerful and you can only see getting more powerful. Um, mm. Then I think, yeah, that's that's a really interesting question. Well, just monopolies in general, just exist in a way that they've never existed before Mm. um you know so that they can really control whole aspects of your life um so yeah i i was i found this one difficult to answer so it goes on a scale of strongly agree to agree to neutral and unsure which is a nice addition because you don't always get that and um disagree and strongly disagree um i went with I was really stuck with this one because I was like, I was like, you know, you know, potentially one corporation you can escape, but it, your government is potentially inescapable. If you have a corrupt government, you know, you can literally get stuck in your country and there's nothing that you can do. Do you know what I mean? Um, whereas I was like, I suppose if it's a corporation it could be terrifying like it could be google or something but you can potentially escape it but as they grow bigger and bigger i mean maybe you can't i think that's you can't even leave there because yeah, google's everywhere that's the it's omnipresent that's the, for me that's the big thing it's a it's a question of time here so i think for me i marked that as i still think governments are more worrying mm-hmm. um in terms of oppression but i'm not sure that's going to stay that way so currently um, governments have an opportunity to control the power of some of these huge corporations that uh, have got such a, a foothold into our lives. But I think theoretically mm-hmm. they, they could be controlled. But my concern is that, you know, you can imagine some of these uh, companies start to get involved in healthcare and start to sell information to pharmaceuticals and and even you know work with governments on uh you know giving them information about your interests and your voting patterns and your politics and so you can imagine that that actually corporations eventually become um the means of power um over Mm -hmm. people so i think at the moment we're in a period where governments still you know you still worry more about governments but at least they are accountable whereas you know, yes, you can use a different search engine. Yes, in theory, you can use a different um, social media platform, but it's it, you find yourself getting sucked back in. You know, because everything is geared towards that. That happened to me. Mm. I, I came off Facebook because um, I didn't. You know, I got fed up with the uh, the unpleasantness that I was seeing mm. and just the opinions that were just horrible sometimes. But then I found myself, I had to get back onto it because I needed to find some participants in a in a bit of research and that was the way to find mm. them. And that was the only platform I had. So you get back into it again. Mm. And that's kind of what happens. Mm. You have to get a, a, an internet account. You, you can't pay your bills eventually unless you do. You know what I mean? You, you, you can't say, no, I'm not going to get involved in that. So no. that's the, I think that is the worry for the future. 
yeah no yeah i think it's it's yeah probably quite likely it's going to overtake the government unless unless we do something about it Mm. and there is chance there Mm. is opportunity to um check some of that power i suppose that's why it was really important the cambridge analytica thing Mm. with facebook that was an important moment so we'll see Mm. as that continues um but obviously this isn't a deep dive into each question so that's uh, as much as we'll give you for now if you want more on that then request it in the tweets um be part of the twitter corporation um publicly funded research is more beneficial to the people than leaving it to the market and i think yes that is important because um you know the miss something that is obviously a gripe with a lot of people the misuse of statistics in the way that you know people are like well this is definitely true because the statistics say so um you've got a question where who you know paid for that research to be done um you know well corporations governments you know what was their reasons that's why governments have to pay um well governments have to ask for independent studies to be done on things you know when things go wrong there have to be independent inquiries made because um they're really important and it's important that research is done um with the public in mind not with its investors and so on in mind so your your concern is more about the results of the uh, research that that's um the way that it's presented is in a is in a fair and scientifically valid way is that is that what you're saying that and also that the study was set up with you know actual questions in mind not just it would be good if people believed this wouldn't it so, the intent so could you make it well. could you create a study that would prove that please because yeah. there's ways of gearing mm. things to achieve the goals you want yeah i think that's right so yeah, for me there's so. two points there is um who should decide what the questions are that are asked mm. and how is that uh that well i think it's three i suppose how is the research carried out in terms of its robustness and, like and then robustness and efficacy yeah, yeah and then how is how are the results presented um mm-hmm. and spun i suppose and yeah the, the yeah. more you leave that to the market i think the more likelihood there is that that it's in their interest to um, to spin it in a particular way so not to well, say yeah, that there shouldn't exactly. be a part for uh, independent researchers but it shouldn't be all left up to to the market I don't no think. Well, it was like there was questions brought up around some hair care brand that was selling like these like gummies that make your hair grow strong and amazing. And they're like, studies show. And it was like, who paid for the studies? Oh, it was you. Of course you're going to pay for something that makes you look good. Um, So, yeah, I think that's why it's important. It's, you know, from a point of grand things like at some point there's going to have to be an inquiry into how our government has handled covid that needs to be done prior you know it, it, that needs to be done without interference yeah. um as does just you know smaller things as like hair care gummies it all needs to you know need to know <laughs> the big issues of our day going on Celine's on top of it <laughs> that's what i'm saying from big to small it all needs to be um it needs to you need to be able to trust it absolutely otherwise what's the point absolutely um you have question three yeah just remind me what i said um oh yeah the free of the markets the free of the people so question three is the free of the markets the free of the people as you say you choose from between strongly agree to strongly disagree with a few steps in between um well i i said disagree yeah because i don't think that is true i don't think just because companies can do what they want that people like there's this idea that more options means more choice for the consumer therefore everyone's having a good time and like if there's if there's competition that's good and it's like you know when they were like we'll make buses um and trains like public transport private because then there'll be competitive markets and consumers will get the best price because they'll be competing and it's like well no (laughs) that's not true is it yeah so there's a few questions here that revolve around i mean this this relates to the dimension that i i uh, would assume is the economic axis in Mm. the uh Mm -hmm. the results so on the one hand you've got equality in terms of, of people all having opportunity i suppose to 
um, get equal treatments, having equal um, services and products. On, on the other hand, using markets to uh, compete against each other. So I guess you've got social interference, I suppose, or uh, yeah, I suppose interference with the markets by the governments. And on the other hand, you've got open free markets, which I think is has been over the last. I don't know, in previous 50 years, perhaps the big argument in politics. It's this, you know, socialism versus capitalism kind of argument. Um, and I find myself, on the one hand, agreeing with what you've just said. But I, I think there's a, there's a possible kind of... I, I see some of the other arguments as well, if that makes sense. Um, I, I'm, and I don't necessarily think that everybody who thinks that free markets are great, I don't necessarily think that they're bad people. <laughs> no, 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 I know. I think that there is a there is a possibility to accidentally conflate mm. people that free markets with trickle-down economics. Yeah, um, that's right. And I suppose where I'm coming from with this is um, a, a personal perspective. So it is a personal perspective, which means that I don't, I don't have the data really to to back up my opinions, but mm. you know, hey, we're allowed opinions, and this is kind of where mm. I'm coming from. But so, um, as a corporate trainer, I still deliver training to businesses and um, uh, other organisations and individuals. But as a corporate trainer, what what you find is so imagine a world where training companies are allowed to basically all just pitch for training jobs so there's an organization mm. here that wants to have some management training and they they look around for the the sort of management training that will deliver what they're looking for um and they get people in and you you talk to them and say well this is what we can do for you you know and so on and it's all very tailored to the needs of the business and and the chooser uh, the um the provider that they choose um, is based on the the assessment of whether they can deliver what that company wants. And mm-hmm. so that's a very free market sort of way of approaching this. So if you're not, as a provider, if you're not delivering what the customer wants, then you're going to go out of business. So mm-hmm. that's really, that's, you know, that's the free market approach. Now, what happens in the UK anyway, and I think it happens in other countries too, is that the government has a, an overall, an overriding, let's say, strategy, maybe an industrial strategy, which I, I, I see as a good idea for a government to do that. But one of those things might be training and education in the workplace. So what mm. the government then does is it takes money from the public purse and invests mm. that money into education and training for adults. Now, in order to deliver that money to um businesses in order for them to to avail themselves of this money basically comes in the form of grants or other funding and there's then a bunch of bodies that sit in between the government and the potential users of this money and that then distribute this funding to these companies so if i'm a if i'm a manufacturer let's say and I, i want to get some training then I can either contact someone like me and say, could you do some training for us? And I say, yeah, that'll be X amount of pounds. Or you can contact one of these bodies and say, I've got some training needs. Is there any funding for this? And they'll say, yes, there is funding. But in order for you to access this funding, then you're going to need to do this, this, this and this. So what happens is then people like me as a trainer, as a as a training provider, I then, I'm going to get, Either I've got a choice. Either I just get completely ignored because why would they pay me when they can get it for free? <laughs> or I have to to become enmeshed with these intermediary bodies that demand that I do this bit of training and I do that bit of training and I deliver this bit and that bit because that's what the government has decided should be involved if you're going to get funding from the government because it's the taxpayer's money after all. So you start from a position that says, is it a good idea to have an industrial strategy? Yeah, of course it is. And then would it be a good idea to help businesses pay for training 
well, why not? That sounds like a great idea. We want training and we want more businesses to, to have that training. And then what you do is you create these structures. But what then happens un, um, without kind of realising it is you you artificially create some hoops and some barriers that people have got to jump through or jump over in order to deliver that. And so mm-hmm. it's bad for people like me as independent trainers. There's just me. I don't have a big organization mm-hmm. that I can, you know, schmooze with these intermediaries and, and become a, you know, approved such and such. Or if I do want to be approved, then I have to go through loads and loads of processes that don't necessarily mean that I actually deliver anything of value to the client. At the end of the day, that client has very specific needs. And rather than me talking to them about, right, what do you actually need? Now what has to happen is I have to tick a bunch of boxes um, they have to tick a bunch of boxes that allow them to draw down the funding that can then pay me. Mm. And so I do have a certain perspective on that. And that, and so whilst I like, I agree with the principle of, yeah, you know, the marketplace can't solve everything. And because of obviously competition, it's good for some things, not so good for others. And like you mentioned, public transport, that might not be so good because you've got a very limited scope for competition anyway and so on and so on but i i I think it's not as simple as it might seem in the first place i I think my issue the point of the question is to be quite like stark there but um i think my issue is that it's not an answer to all problems do you know what i mean like it's like just free the market up and it'll free the people i think that it needs to be evaluated from thing to thing but obviously that's not the point the point of this question is to kind of get a feel for you as a person it is but it's, it's just an interesting it's an opportunity for me to put talk about that because it is mm. it is one of those situations that unless you're actually in it you know why would you mm. why would you oppose um government funded training are you crazy um well mm. no i'm not crazy but it means i mean it happens from time to time every now and again you'll get a new government coming in with a big a big funding um splurge mm. Um, and it has happened to me, and it is, it's basically happening now. I, I really can't get a look in into lots and lots of potential um, opportunities because I'm currently, I haven't been willing to go through the cost and the, the quite frankly, the palaver of having to tick a whole load of boxes that are not particularly relevant for my clients. Mm. But I'm not able, so I'm going to be forced to do it essentially if I ever want to to be able to offer training in certain sectors to certain groups. Mm. Um, and I just think that's a shame. It, it kind of, what it does is it does restrict innovation. Because if I come up with a, a, a training package or a, a, a workshop that's really interesting and very niche and could really help a specific business, and I've done it in partnership with them, you know, this is a really... Well, mm-hmm. if that company's very forward thinking and have got a bit of cash, then maybe, maybe I get to do it. Mm. But for most businesses, they don't have cash lying around and they're going to just say, well, can we not get some free training? And so then it just becomes a tick box exercise, you know. So, yeah, we've done it. We've done the free training. Um, <laughs> and nobody seems to really be measuring yeah. the benefits of that training. Mm. So it's a bit of a hobby horse of mine because obviously it's a, it's a, an area that I, I get involved in. but So it, mm. I, I agree that free markets can't solve everything and there needs to be intervention. Otherwise, you just it just runs amok. But you have to and be careful. The idea that it, you have to yeah. be careful how you interfere. Oh, obviously so. I, I just think that, like, I suppose if it's like you literally have to pick one or the other, I'd rather pick against You'd rather it me going out of business. It. Well, no, because it's about it's about healthcare as well, isn't it? I wasn't talking about healthcare. No, I'm talking about as a general. I said in for all of it, if it's either you have completely free markets or you have like quote unquote controlled markets, I'd rather have controlled because, well, realistically, you know, you know, we are living in a situation where you're you are making an income and like we can afford like. I, I can have my medication and so on. Do you know what I mean? Like if we lived in a world completely with free markets, we'd have healthcare you have to pay for and I'd pay £300 a month mm. just for some tablets that shouldn't cost that much. I pay £10 a month for them. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not arguing for, you know, unfettered 
uh, market. Yeah. But, That's what I'm saying. So like if it was like a complete black and white yeah, one or the other. Clearly, it's somewhere in between. But I'm just yeah. I'm just saying it's not as simple as many people would think. Mm-hmm. You know, just let, let's get the government involved into all these areas. It no, does yeah. it does have an impact where you might not expect it. But on moving on because this isn't just about free markets. No. We must carry on at steam. Um, <laughs> Tariffs on international trade are important to encourage local production. Um, so the reason I highlighted this one is because I realised we talked we talked about tariffs to death during Brexit, but realistically, I don't know how much I actually know nor care about tariffs. Though, should I know more and should I care more? I guess was my thoughts on this one. I think I picked unsure just because I was like, I truly have not enough information. Mm to make a choice if someone was like do you think you could make a good decision for our country here but like, no not a chance someone else someone who cares about tariffs decide so what are the um, issues can because i'm kind of with you on this i don't think i know enough about the subject but what are so the issues obviously so obviously tariffs it's like it, it it affects tax doesn't it and so on and like goods coming in and out of the country we used to be in the eu and we had a trading block so it meant that tariffs were managed between I don't even... Well, can, should, we, should we explain what tariffs are? Well, do you want to explain what tariffs yeah, are then? okay. So a tariff is simply um, if you want to sell to another country. So let's say I want to sell cycles, bicycles. I want to sell, well, I want to sell bicycles to Canada. So mm. most um, arrangements between countries, you start off from a position where you sell the bikes to the company in Canada that then wants to retail them. But Mm. because you're um, exporting to a different country or importing from a different country, you have to pay a tariff. So it might be that um, the company that is going to sell my bikes will have to spend an extra 10%. And uh, that tariff is on top of what I would normally pay for that particular product for that bike so if i sell my bike for a hundred thousand pounds to um, a canadian retailer then they'd have to pay one thousand one hundred pounds for that bike so the tariff because that would cover the tariff cost the tariff is just a a, a means of saying because you're selling into our country you're gonna have to pay for the privilege of selling to our consumers yeah and obviously when you're in when when we were in the trading block, which I believe we're no longer now that we are gone as of October, I believe, of last year, um, we will be paying tariffs that we weren't paying when we were part of that trading block. Yeah, we block. don't want to get sucked into Brexit, do we? But that's um that that is the question around tariffs. It's it's yes, you now what then can happen is that different governments can have a re- arrangements between each other and that says mm-hmm. either um actually we'll reduce these tariffs or we'll get rid of them altogether. Yeah. So, so you um, can either have tariffs or some tariffs or high tariffs or whatever. So the question is, are tariffs a good idea? Well, and the, well, the question is like tariffs on international trade are important to encourage local production. Yeah. So it's this idea that like, if it costs more to do stuff abroad, like to sell or buy from them abroad, it'll encourage people to do stuff locally because they won't be getting tariff charges additionally. So like. If you can get it in, say, let's say you're in London and you need slate and you could get it from abroad and it used to be cheaper when there was no tariffs, but now there's tariffs, you might be more inclined to get it from Cornwall where previously it was more expensive, but now because of tariffs, it's as expensive as to to go abroad and the cost of transport and so on, it, it works out. So they're like, it will be good for our economy if you know businesses are are forced to pay tariffs if they buy from abroad um i guess i get the i get the idea of it it's like well if there's tariffs and people will be forced to play to play into our economy um i guess the question though is is that does that not stand in contrast to the previous question um of free markets because tariffs surely is a way of acting against free markets yeah i mean it's it links into the question of globalism doesn't it and um i think Mm. 
I honestly think nobody really knows the, the right answer to this. Um, this no. my, it's my feeling. I, I'm, I'm sure many people will tell me they do have the right answer. But um, So on the one hand, globalism means that you can buy your, um, your products from countries that um, can produce these products mm. a lot cheaper because labour costs are cheaper. Um, so mm. on the one hand, that means that countries like India, uh, China and so on have been able to um, get into, you know, the developed nations, I suppose. And, and that's mm -hmm. a way that they've managed to uh, to become a really big player in the economic uh, world. Yeah. But then I suppose like the way that like a lot of Western governments have tried to push against that is with, yeah, is with tariffs if they you know if there's a deflated market in our country it's like well if you put the tariffs higher then they'll have to put that resource back into our country yeah. um right. is the idea so if it's if it's but, really expensive to buy a, an electronics uh, product from um i don't know korea um mm. then yeah put some tariffs on it and then that'll encourage local businesses mm -hmm. to develop factories and so on so that is mm. that is the mm. idea that the downside of it is then you end up with um countries not trading with each other um and it will push prices up because obviously you know you, you've you've got building a, a brand new infrastructure of of producing something like that would cost quite a lot yeah and so you're going to have i know this prices. yeah some businesses which have been accused of using unethical labor have you know that that tariffs could potentially block them because it would be pointless to you know, to, to keep using that unethical labour if um, if the tariffs create a blockade, basically. Um, and there are, in these places where they use the unethical labour, there are factories which do pay properly mm. and are ethical. So it's not to say that, you know, the argument where it's like, well, just if you stop buying the stuff, though, then they won't have any jobs. It's like, oh, companies will set up, you know, could pay them properly. You know, it's not like... That it's one or the other. You either pay them nothing it's an or easy, you beat them. It's not an easy question. I don't think we're going to get an answer to that, but um, I suppose we've raised some of the the issues. But there you go. We? Yeah, it's, it's a very difficult one because it, it's related to international trade. And honestly, I, I don't know the answer to that. Hard, isn't mm. it? Uh, next one, then. Um, inheritance is a legitimate form of wealth. What did you answer for that? Well, I put my little hovery, I screenshotted it. My little hovery hand is over unsure and neutral, but I think I might have gone for agree. But like, I also want to disagree. That's why it's hovering over neutral. It's because it's like when you amass such vast quantities of wealth and it's like mm. old money. Do you know what I mean? Like people that are like, I come from old money. Mm. <laughs> I mean, anyone that says that themselves is an idiot. But anyway, people that come from old money, it's kind of like... There's often a lot of issue with potentially where their money has come from in the sense of like, you know, where did that old money come from? Like the backs of people that, you know, were slaves and so on. And then you're like, oh, God, should they just keep that money and just not have to pay the consequence? Well, you, they just keep it. You don't even need to kind of go go back that far, do you? I mean, you just look at... Um, the uk and look at people who are born into money so if you happen to be that's no, true if you happen to be uh you know the son or the daughter of a lord or duchess or something um then you'll you'll have a big estate you'll have lots of mm -hmm. property possibly you'll have maybe millions of pounds well it's just the people that like you know like when i was doing um some of my you know i'm doing this like night course it's going to start again in producing and it's like there's people um you know when they're talking about oh yeah just the tutors like just do the like the full two-year course it'll cost 25 grand mm. per you know for the two years and like i mean where are you pulling that out of and it's like there's certain people like filmmaking i think has a long way to go in terms of that where it's like certain people and if you if you come from a background of inherited money i'm sure it's a lot easier and is that fair not really yeah so um, the question but also people work you know if, if not everyone that has money though um 
is in a situation where it's like been in the family for generations and generations and it's just like you know some people might have just had a parent that's come into money through their own work and it's like should that be taken away if they worked for it and gave it to their children or people that immigrate and they you know work really hard Mm. and they amass some money and they want to give that to their children when they're gone is that bad i don't think so so i i personally think the the that question is a difficult one because of its nature but in reality if you were to discuss it you could come up with Mm. a very reasonable kind of answer to that yeah so is it always bad no i think you know if you Mm. happen to buy a house and you pay for that house over 25 30 years then i think that's reasonable to expect that you can leave that to your children Mm. Um, however if you've got and it is degrees if you've got millions in the bank then to expect that you're entitled to that just because your parents or your grandparents or your your parents 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 you know happen to have that wealth whether it's through ill or or well-gotten gains it doesn't really matter um you know you could argue that there's not a there's not really justification for that so inheritance tax i think i i would agree with inheritance tax um but only to a certain level and that might sound self-serving because mm. obviously i would say you know we sit into the the zone where you know we don't have millions of pounds um but i just think it's fairer isn't it well i do i think that it's kind of that question of like that was floating around should there be billionaires and it's like probably not (laughs) do you know what i mean like no one needs to just sit on all of that money and and be like singing to themselves like i'm king of the castle do you know what i mean like like what's all of that money for like what why for why um but yeah i think the idea that you know if you work really hard and you've got a house like you said and it's not like the impact of if you crippled everybody of that echelon of of money with being like no one you know once you die that house returns to like the market or whatever like it's just gone i don't think is fair but people that have so much money they literally don't know what to do with it like yeah of course that should be distributed uh but moving on um probably won't do this one for long it's a bit marks um the means of production should belong to the workers who use them so i actually googled it because we always say it but i'm like what does you know do we actually know what it means and it's basically like the surplus product who does that belong to is is the idea um so is it just you know is it is it the business owner or should it belong more to the people who produce it Mm. and it's such like it's such a foreign concept as much as we talk about marxism and in and stuff it's such a foreign concept to imagine the workers having the means of production because that's just not a world we've ever lived well in, the problem you know? the problem with it is that whenever you in theory it sounds great um mm. but so you know imagine if all the workers shared in the profits um Mm. of the the business that they worked in i mean there's some bits of profit sharing happens but you know significantly like greg's when they gave their yeah. bonus for all the vegan sausage rolls that was exactly. cool um, their extra profits yeah. made by vegan sausage Absolutely. rolls lovely great but um the the problem is is if you there's a kind of bait and switch that happens which is yeah this all belongs to you and the state is going to hold it in trust for you. So basically, it doesn't go to you individually. It goes to the state. And because you are essentially the state, then then yeah. it is yours. That's just, a, that's just a con. And unfortunately, that's what mm. we've seen, as far as I understand it, in communist countries and so on. So in theory, yeah. it sounds like a great idea. Um, and yes, if we, can, if we can make it work, um, I'm all for more profit sharing and less screaming yeah, so off everything having said mm-hmm. all of that you know if a if an individual sets up a business takes all the risks as as somebody mm-hmm. who set up number uh, a number of businesses you know you, nobody's going to give you much help let me tell you so it's all your mm-hmm. risk um, you might borrow money or you might just uh, work really hard um if you get to a position where you know that that, that gamble that risk has paid off then why shouldn't you enjoy the the lion's share of it? So I I don't necessarily think that 
you know mm. you should you should literally divide it equally amongst everybody i think the the people the entrepreneurs yeah. who are putting themselves out there as long as they do it ethically um i don't see why they shouldn't be rewarded for that hard work mm. with um so obviously it's it's like just in case anyone doesn't know because i think it is it's not like everyone's sitting around reading marks um it's like so the surplus surplus production it's kind of like the the money extra so it's the profit is it basically just to clarify it's the profit on top of and then that would be given to the state to use for state things for like the the, the people and it's ownership so like, of, of everything so um yeah. again that would go to the big industries the the so mm-hmm. you wouldn't have um steel companies you don't have um rail companies you don't have um well basically if you want to do it full go full communist then basically all of these mm things are produced through the state so you don't have individuals any profits that they make goes, would goes be used for the, these back into the state yeah, yeah. The trouble is but it doesn't always it, well doesn't. no what happens is you end up with these very powerful individuals that are part of the bureaucracy that handles it mm. so it's it doesn't mm. really you, in theory it sounds great but i don't think yet we've been able to find a way of doing that in a fair way and in a way that doesn't just create other very influential powerful and wealthy people power reveals indeed yes a bit of a 19 mm. uh, no sorry a, a um, animal farm sort of yeah. situation i guess but yeah i'm not an expert in politics so my opinions are like we've said mm. already just just that really they're just opinions okay next one, one. it'll make you probably laugh my nation is great my nation is great, great. britain yeah, well, it is called Great is Britain. Is it great? <laughs> is it great? <laughs> Difficult one. In that I'm like, no. <laughs> well, I think you <laughs> have to... Like, I'm a bit new. I'm a bit like... Yeah. You know what, though? It's like, it's good because it's amazing because I have, like I said, free healthcare. You know, we're going... You know, that's one thing I can always be so thankful for is, you know, going through a medical crisis and we weren't afraid to go to the doctor because it would bankrupt us. Like what? What an amazing privilege to live in this country and have no fear of just getting ill and knowing someone will take care of you. What an amazing thing! Like that is amazing. Knowing that if I got, if I lost my job, like I could, I could get. You know, it's not perfect, but there are benefit systems, and I, I wouldn't, you know, necessarily get you know launched onto the street immediately do you know what i mean like there are protections that i'm really really grateful mm. for and that's amazing and they're just so like normal to me that you almost forget that when you read my nation is great because you think of all the you know the things that we're all mad about all the time but there are amazing things mm. that we should be grateful for i have clean drinking water that just comes out of a tap whenever i want it yep. like that's amazing yep. you know there's lots of people that don't have all of that you know i I just, I have, you know, a wardrobe full of clothes and a bed to sleep in and food. I'm never hungry, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's right. And and you have to, you, you, I think it's important to uh, handle that question with that that balance, isn't it? So, mm-hmm. uh, and and I suppose it's a wider question as well because everybody will have um, some sort of feeling for their country. I guess um, sometimes it mm-hmm. might be um yeah you know most people i think have a certain amount of uh pride maybe or, or feeling of of oneness with the country of their birth mm-hmm. and it matters to them um they they uh stick up for their country in sporting events and um yeah uh, and they have a sense of pride to belong to this this wider like community fish and chips and tea lads you know yeah we love exactly we're, we're discussing after the shoot the other day we're like oh we'll get a cup of tea and we're like we'll not get it from the cafe though it's never as good at the cafe and piotr was like um he he's he's not from england and he was just like oh it's the tea here not good and we're just like we're being so english right now we're just saying that the tea won't be as good as when we get home and make it ourselves absolutely and and yeah so i think you can you can celebrate those uh wonderful things and achievements that your country has Mm -hmm. um, achieved whilst at the same time still acknowledging that there's some terrible things that are in our history um and I, i don't see a problem or a tension of doing that so yeah i i do 
in some respects my country's great in other respects um it's it's not and it's done some bad things and to be honest in other respects it's a bit of an embarrassment you know some of the things that you see mm -hmm. happening um and you think oh i wish you know i wish that wasn't happening <laughs> um so but that's because Again, we talk about skin in the game. As a as a Jehovah's Witness, I had no skin in the game. I didn't care. It didn't really matter what people thought about my country. But now it does. I want to be a, a part of a, you know, yeah. a, a great country of which I'm proud. Sometimes I'm I'm made proud, and sometimes I'm not. Yeah, I think um, I I know that in the way that sometimes I'll um. When we go abroad, not that we ever did that super often, but I'll be like, oh no, oh, they don't think we're those kind of English people. <laughs> you know, the annoying ones. <laughs> but, you know, because um, there's a whole Brits abroad thing. There is. There? And, there, you know, there are those people that, that behave that way, you know, go across into different countries and just expect everybody to speak English and uh, and to provide, mm. you know, what what we think is, is our rights. Um, yeah, and that <laughs> is embarrassing, isn't it? But that... Mm. For me, they don't represent my country. They're no. just um, they're they're people that overall, I I wish you know didn't do that. <laughs> yeah, overall, it's a pretty good place to live. But that's not it? to say that you know everybody misbehaves at times, and um, all nations do that. So there's a little yeah, bit of snootiness, yeah. I think, sometimes uh, towards British people behaving badly, um, because other mm. nations do it too. Yeah. Um, this one. I had to put in just because of what our podcast is. Uh, my religious values should be spread as much as possible. <laughs> so, what's your answer to so, that? Strongly disagree. I've got my little my little cursor was hovered well, over. Well, I, it I already. struggled with that one. Oh, really? Well, because my religious values are that religious values shouldn't be thrust upon people. That's not. That's that's. <laughs> well, they the are my religious values. Isn't it? My religious values are that You people... don't have religious values, so you have non-religious <laughs> values. So I don't think that counts. Okay. But interesting. But yeah, It's an interesting I'd... way of reading the question, yeah. but sure. Um, no, I think I said what you said. Like the, 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 the other way would be my atheist values should be spread as much as possible, surely. But um, yeah, I was like, no, obviously not. No. Um, no more door knocking for you. <laughs> <laughs> um... Government surveillance is necessary in the modern world. Mm, interesting one. Yeah. Um, I think it has to be... I think we have to say no. Because we... And that's one thing that I agreed with Apple doing, where they refused again and again in a court case to unlock an iPhone for them to use the evidence that may or may not have been on there because they're like it's just a one-off they're like it's not though it will set a precedent and once we do this it will be something that you'll be like well precedent has been set you have to do this forever now so they were like we're not going to set the precedent mm -hmm. and we're not going to do it and i think a lot of people were mad about it but i was like okay yeah maybe this person is bad and this will give some evidence but like what about all of all of the allowance it will give to governments to just unlock and look at iPhones because it was a way of like getting in not just look like looking at it on the phone like it was a way of getting into like the software and stuff and it's just like once you un once you open that box there's no shutting it again you know yeah it's a difficult one um I suppose I was when when I read that question I was thinking more about um uh camera surveillance but no you're right it, it applies to all surveillance but um yeah tapping phones yeah. looking at your facebook messages looking at your you know you know all of that so that what you if you consider private would be yeah. for them so what if um if somebody was about to commit a terrorist um, atrocity and you needed to get access to that phone because that was going to tell you when and where that atrocity was going to take place so you could stop it it's just really difficult, isn't it? Because you could end up in a situation of the online Gestapo <laughs> where you're always like in fear of being listened to or or watched and people deserve privacy. So it's a question of I think what it it kind of boils down to you know when you're in when some kid was doing something stupid at school but the teacher didn't know which one it was and they mm. wouldn't 
own up to it and they would keep everyone behind at lunchtime and it's like okay so we either we're it's 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 kind of like okay we we punish all for the sins of some yeah but we're talking about you know if it's your if it's your son your daughter your relative your partner that gets killed because we couldn't get into that phone to find out it's not quite an academic exercise then is it no obviously not and it's obviously difficult but what if like your son your daughter or whatever gets like their privacy destroyed you know what because we're talking about imagining that everyone will use this ethically but do we have faith that it will be used ethically do we have faith that all of the people that will be using this monitoring software are not going to be you know potentially disgusting <laughs> lewd bad people you know how do we know well we don't do we um that's the, that is the dilemma yeah um and even if they're not going to use it for anything bad i mean do you do you like the idea that at any point in time anyone could just be listening to you or um you know siri is just sitting there siri listens to me all the time. Well, <laughs> now mm. and again, she speaks, saying so she's there listening. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a really difficult question, isn't it? Um, yeah, I think I, on balance, I think I thought that there should be government surveillance, but you've made me think a bit differently about that. I, I, I do worry about um, intrusion and it's, spying, yeah. but. And it's also the faith in governments, isn't yeah. it? The idea that just because our government is okay now, as far mm. as we know, do do we have faith that it will always be okay? I mean, it's like, for instance, as a, as a thought exercise and The Handmaid's Tale. So then, you know, if we have a surveillance state, you know, and everything's documented and your life is all there to see, if you end up with a government taking over that doesn't agree with what anything you've ever said, I mean... <laughs> Indeed, you know yeah, I mean? like no, you can be blacklisted. that's right, absolutely. Okay, so we've we've talked about um, some of the specific questions, and uh, we we ended up getting a score. So if you want to have a go at that yourself, again, go to the link. There are many more questions. We've just talked about a few. Yeah, and um, yeah, do you want to do you want to talk about our scores then? Yeah, let's do. Do you want to do you first okay. or me first? So um, you've got those four axes. Um, the top one is economic axes which I've got 77.6% equality. So that's kind of mm -hmm. on the social side, I suppose. Um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not a communist, mm. but I, I think that there needs to be some intervention, which kind of flies in the face of what I was going on about before mm. about the, um, the interference in, into my industry. Mm -hmm. So that it just shows the difficulty, I suppose. What did you I suppose, get? Do you, shall I tell yeah. you? Yeah, so we do it one mm. by one. I got... Um, eighty-six point five percent. Oh, you're quality. definitely like a commie, aren't you? <laughs> well, I just, like I said, there's too many things that I'd be afraid. Yeah. If it was in the hands of markets over, over um, state, mm. basically, okay. I I feel safer. Um, cool. Not that either one is. You, is you just told me how it's, it's all right at the moment, um, but. Um, what if the government was like the handmaid's tale? Well, I know, for, I I know for sure that markets only care about money. I know that for sure, right? Okay. Like now, then, and forever, I have faith that they will always care about money over people, as an entity that has no feelings, just the market. So that's okay. why I I spin more towards people. Okay, let's move to the next one then. Diplomatic axis. Um, mm -hmm. I'm called peaceful here. So um, I don't think we did many of these questions really in our little discussion, but they, these were related to whether your country um, should kind of be going around the world yeah. protecting itself um, uh, in theory or mm. preemptively kind of getting yeah. involved in wars and things like that. Oh, yeah. And I didn't know that it gave you little like titles for each one. I got socialist for the previous, not not communist. I got socialist. Yeah, I'd yeah. like to say. Yeah, I was the same. I, I got socialist on that. Um, yeah. Um, the next one, then I got um, peaceful uh, at sixty nine percent world mm -hmm. on that uh, the other side of the axis. I got seventy five point six percent. Even more peaceful. Oh. 
I got internationalist. Ooh. Yeah, so I'm more international. So you want to be peaceful new world with the order. world. Well, I didn't. I didn't say that though. When it asked about <laughs> no, a world government, I said no. Mm, so because I was like, it's a bit overwhelming, isn't it? The idea mm. of a world government. Okay. Um, next one was civil axis, and I've got sixty-three percent, um, and I'm liberal. So liberty, sixty-three percent, yeah. and I'm liberal. Yeah, I I got sixty nine point nine, and I got liberal as well. So, um, I think it's because like generally, like I said, quite liberal and freedom to choose and so on. But I still think that like, let's not live in a complete state of anarchy because yeah. it's like following the law is good. And I was like, well, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, okay, final one. Final one, societal axis. I've got very mm-hmm. progressive at seventy five point four percent. I got very progressive as well at 84%. So basically you've scored the same sort of things, but just higher, haven't you? You're just more extreme. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're the radical left. The same, but more. <laughs> but, well, I got libertarian socialism yeah, that, as my That's type, really as weird. My... Um, that, that, that doesn't mean what I... Libertarian seems to be more on the right um, to me, but... Well, it's about liberty mm. and... I think together, mm. you could if you were just a libertarian, it's different. But libertarian socialism, yeah, whatever that is. Okay. So, I, I suppose it's like liberty to choose, but like the wish to do the right by the world and people okay. is how well, I would your, run that that's as. That's your interpretation of that. All right. And what did okay. you get as your grand title? Um, I was a social social democracy, which I think fits mm. me. Social democratic is is sort of the sorts of. Makes politics sense. that I would mm. generally um, vote for, so it kind of seems fairly accurate. Um, but I'm certainly not a not on the radical left, whatever that means. Uh, which they seem to like saying that, don't they, in in America? Right. Okay. Mm. Well, that's all very interesting. Um, I, I'm, you know, I'm not. I was very hesitant about putting our own um, scores up there, and you talked me into it because mm. I, I, throughout this podcast, I've always been very uh careful not to try to tell people what to think so hopefully that doesn't come across like that obviously not i think the point is though we always clarify what our positions are so people know what we think when we're talking about veganism vegetarians we're like we are vegetarians like when we're talking about like um you know certain other topics we've been like just to clarify this is where we come yeah, there's from. Yeah, it's been honest so, as well, isn't it? So hopefully we got the balance right. I just want to, yeah. again, I just want to caveat everything we've said. We look, you know, we're not, we're not trying to say this is the right way to to think. But the the, mm-hmm. the beauty of this little quiz is it gets you thinking. Um, and I it, think it's just a good conversation yeah, starter. And, it, and it, it not? It gets some poses some questions that maybe require a bit more research. Like you know, what 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 about the tariffs? Um, yeah. so maybe we, what about we the tariffs yeah. I think we do need to know more about the tariffs because it's not sexy but it's probably important you're right you're right okay very good well okay. thank you very much for that mm-hmm. thank you and um, yeah we'll see you next time on what should I think about don't forget to write a review <laughs> absolutely do it. do it do it it makes us so happy <laughs> bring us such don't joy don't make us happy right okay thank you very much bye Bye! What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production.